Hi, this is the Organizational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organizational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organizational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Today, we welcome Dr. Roger Noon. Roger is a culture change consultant and is currently working with HSBC. He has a doctorate in coaching and mentoring from Oxford Brookes University. Now, in 2018, Roger published a paper in the International Journal of Evidence-Based Coaching and Mentoring entitled Presence in Executive Coaching Conversations, the C2 Model. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today, this whole idea of presence in coaching, which I found intriguing, which is one of the reasons why we reached out to Roger. So welcome, Roger. Do you just want to give us a, a quick overview of your background and what kind of led to this study? Yeah, sure. Thanks, David. Um, and thanks for inviting me to talk about this. Um, I'm, I've got an engineering background originally, um, and I was a, an engineering project manager for some years and then moved into uh, financial services as a sort of a process improvement guy and a business analyst, uh, and then gradually morphed into, into risk management and, and culture change. And, and in particular, I'm interested in culture change around uh, conduct risk and, and ensuring good conduct in financial services. Um, and uh, along the way there, I, I uh, ran a, a change management consultancy, what I would call a, a little niche doctor's partnership of a consultancy with some, some colleagues that I was working with in financial services. Uh, and we were offering change management um, services. And as part of that, I picked up some, some coaching qualifications, you know, as, as many of us did back in the day, some sort of distance learning, uh, basic qualifications all around the GROW model, for example. Uh, uh, but I found I really loved coaching. And uh, and um, from that point, probably 20 odd years ago now, I've, I've just continued an interest in being a practitioner, first and foremost, um, around coaching. And I, I didn't really think too much about the research side until, until much more, more recently. Um, and along with other things that I, I had an interest in uh, around um, areas like mindfulness and um, uh, I'm a Tai Chi practitioner and, you know, general kind of life um, practices of that nature, um, I started trying to um, merge what I was um, learning in the rest of my life in, into, into what I was doing as a coach. Um, and, and a lot of that was around mindset and what I would call a sense of balance and, and feeling really grounded as a, as a coach and, and how that might help me be more, more effective with clients. Um, and the idea of presence uh, as a concept really grew from there. I probably read something uh, in some of the practitioner literature uh, uh, around this topic. Um, but this whole idea started to take root that, that if I let go of, of process and tools a little bit, which I think coaches can get very preoccupied with uh, and focused on, on how I was um, in my kind of way of being with my clients and, and focused on the relational side first and foremost, then, then what might happen? Um, and I started to sort of for my own appreciation of what being present with somebody really meant on, on a kind of a deeper level. Um, and I also got interested, David, in, in well, if, if this is how I am showing up for my client, how is my client showing up for me? Uh, and there was this kind of reciprocal relational uh, approach that, that also started to intrigue me. And so that's really where the, the interest started, but very much as a practitioner uh, and the research grew from that. 
That's that's really interesting, and I, and I was initially, as I've said, I'm kind of initially attracted to this study because it's looking at presence in the coaching relationship, and and it's pretty rare to find kind of studies talking about presence. It's kind of it feels like it's a little amorphous. Um, so, can you just explain what you mean by presence? And it kind of appears to be one of those concepts which is understood and defined differently from person to person yeah absolutely and and i mean if i start in, in from the nebulous end because that's where most of us yeah. think come into <laughs> uh, I, I mean i think we're going to talk a little bit later about the c2 or the c squared model and there's obviously a big overlap between what that's trying to say and, and how i think of presence because the point of the research was was really trying to be sort of more academically rigorous around how we understand the the, the concept um, but I think that if I was to um, to think about how I used to think about it, it was very much about about me and my sense of being aware of myself in the room with a client and being aware of of, of um, um, if if I feel grounded and centered in in my body as a somatic emotional mental feeling um then that's a very good place to to have a coaching conversation so so there was there's a sense that there's a, a bodily element to to being present um uh, a mental element uh, and uh there's a, I think, an attitude or a way of being that that, that is about being completely on on your client's agenda. So, so um, how can I um, be really actively listening, not thinking, although it's very normal to do this, not think about what I'm going to have for tea tonight if I'm if I'm hungry. Um, so, for example, just talking right now to to you, David, I'm I'm um, I, I can feel a sense of small a bit of intimidation or a bit of worry about whether I'm going to articulate myself uh, properly what, exactly whilst I'm talking to you. So, so that's taking away from me being present to the question that, that you're asking me. I've got this kind of little ripple that is pulling me out of my centre, I would say, or, or pulling me away from presence. So just being aware of that can then just tie me straight back, click of the fingers kind of thing, straight back into what it is that, that I want to say. Um, and, and feeling that, um, if I was to describe presence um, to, to, to myself, it would be that I am um, almost outside of myself. Um, I, I've, I've got a sense of all of my faculties. Um, I'm understanding what's going inside and outside. Uh, but I, I, I've got a, a sense of connection with uh, the, a client or the person I'm talking to. Um, so the summary would be that there's a relational element to that because I, I don't think you can separate presence um, in the in the way that I've studied it from being with another person. I can of course be present to a tree, you know, uh, or present to nature, uh, but that, that's that's something that's slightly different. So there's something relational about it. There's something about my my kind of inward. Um, experience um, and and feeling that there's a, a sort of a, um, um, a, a a connectedness about that, a oneness about it. So I'm not being pulled into different thought patterns. Um, and there's something I, I would hope as well, or certainly that was reported in the, in the research, that is felt and perceived by somebody else. So there's something that when one is present, you're you're kind of giving off. You know, call it a vibe or call it a, a, a state, um, 
but you, you can very often tell when somebody's present. So that's a very, very kind of high level, slightly, slightly woolly, nebulous um, explanation. We'll get into some sort of specific detail a bit, bit later. But I think the one overriding thing I would say is that this is a really slippery um, concept in in my personal experience, probably in, in in your experience, and certainly from the research partners that, that that I spoke to, and and this is one of the interests that I had in trying to um, create some kind of a territory or map for it through through the research. Is um, there's a lot of practitioner literature and a lot of experiential literature um, that that explains uh, what presence might be. But there's very little been done in the academic space. And, and I think that you said that there's a certain kind of gap there. Um, and one of the things I wanted to do was to be able to at least start to, to colour in the outline, if you like, of what presence is and, and, and come up with a more sort of academically rigorous concept of it. Yeah, I find that interesting. And what you're saying, and I get the sense that it's it's about being in this space that so right now there's whilst we're, we're, we're separated by miles, there's a space between us that we're inhabiting about the topic that we're talking about, but it's also connected through you and through me in this space. And it seems to be that that you're talking about, about the focus within in that space while still being connected. Is Have I got that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that connectedness is, is doing something. It's, it's not simply a, a relational connection. It's, it's doing something um, to me, for me, and, and to you and for you that, that is helping us access the best of ourselves. Um, it's it's helping us access our internal resources. Uh, it's it's um, perhaps creating the the environment for for insight. Um, it's interest. It's really interesting that that many of the people that I spoke to whilst I was doing the research felt that uh, the more that they were present and in presence. Uh, the more flashes of insight they had in the coaching arena. You know, you get these kind of immediate, mm-hmm. mo- those, these are ha moments whilst, whilst you're coaching. We, we all have them. Uh, if we could if we could sort of generate more of them, then maybe wouldn't that be a great thing? So one side of presence is creating this kind of the, the soil, if you like, for, for, for that to, 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 to grow from. So definitely there's something about connection, but, but there's also by having that connection and feeling, uh, again, balanced, grounded, present. That's the, the only word that I can use. Uh, it, it is something about um, seeing the best, um, you, being able to utilise and recognise the best in ourselves and, and in the people that we're talking to. I'm, I'm getting a sense here that, that flow is part of this as well, that when you're, when you're present, it's, things, it's easier for things to flow between people but also within ourselves, which is where those kind of gifts from the ether probably come from. Yes, and and it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I won't give give too much away, but there's there's um, a, a student at the moment looking at the sense of flow as it relates to to, to presence, and I think there is a, a huge overlap in those uh, conceptual 
terms and and many people again that I, I spoke to pretty much uniformly connected feeling um, that sense of, of flow with uh, with the concept of presence uh, and I struggled with it a little bit David actually because in, in many ways when you start to conceptualize or describe flow um, it, it is in some ways the anti of, of, of presence so you know when you think about presence you think about heightened awareness a real sensitivity to what's going on inside you what your clients talking about the environment even um, and yet when you're in flow it's almost as though everything fades in the present you, you don't hear the everything uh, all the details and you and you're almost lost to whatever it is that you're you're focusing on and and this the sense of time disappears and, and all all this kind of stuff so it really um it made me really think about how to integrate um, the descriptions and the conceptualization of flow that I was hearing um, into the model. And, and as we'll come on to later, it, it, I kind of resolved that by thinking about two modes of presence. Um, what one that is focused on a real kind of heightened awareness um, and another that is is being totally um, almost lost in in the uh, the experience of what it is that you're focusing on, um, so you're present to to that experience rather than necessarily to the here and now. So separating that, you know, presence is not just about the here and now. I would I would suggest. I think that's really interesting. One of the things that's just come to mind is it, as a I don't know whether it's an analogy or whether it's connected or not is is the idea of uh, of cognition and metacognition and those two things occurring at the same time being able to think and then being aware of your thinking and being able to and I, I'm kind of getting the sense of a similar kind of thing from from the description that you're you're giving. It's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a, a lovely explanation. And um, again, I, I can hear your words in, in some of the comments that, that um, people that I spoke to said as well. And, um, you know, I, I think another couple of things that, that I would say about the sort of the nature of presence is, is one, that it is clearly um, very tacit. Um, uh, so it's quite difficult to express, which is why we perceive it as, as, as somewhat nebulous. So, so people are very often very clear that they feel it, but when you start to get them to break it down and, and, and articulate that, then it becomes much harder. So recognizing that kind of tacit nature, which to me suggests something somatic, something bodily, um, you know, something's going on in our experience. It's not necessarily kind of intellectual. Um, and then uh, another area that I've got, got interested in directly as a result of this research is then how do we, how do we really articulate uh, tacit experiences? And, and very often we, we reach for metaphor. So, so there's a huge amount of, of metaphorical um, expression that came out of what, what I was listening to. And, um, and exactly, you know, I collected these metaphors as part of the research, and I'm looking to write another paper just on the, on the metaphorical expression of, of, of presence because it was, was so interesting. Um, and, and what reminded me of that is just as you said there, you know, the, somebody presented a metaphor that it's as though you're very heightened um, and present uh, you, 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 your senses are heightened in the room, but there's also an aspect of you at the same time, simultaneously as a fly on the wall, almost above the conversation, trying to, to guide yourself and uh, what uh, and, and your clients in, in a direction that 
is either intuitive or whatever it might be, but there's this dual processing going on of being right in the conversation and at the same time slightly somewhere else. And somebody, you know, came up with a nice metaphor for that. So there's, yeah, absolutely. I think there's an aspect of, of what you say there, Dan. Oh, wow. And, and what was the metaphor that, that they came up with? Oh, it, it was simply a, um, a sense of fly on the wall. Um, it was that, oh, okay, that yeah. I'm, I'm in, in my space with a client and, and at the same yeah. time I'm, I'm somewhere else. But there were some wonderful, I mean, we can go into it in a little bit more detail. And, and you know, one of the other things that, that I, I was really interested in, um, as I said earlier, um, was looking at the client side as well. So, you know, what, what I noticed in the practitioner literature, and obviously I was talking to coaches uh, probably more than clients around this was that uh, we, we see it very much as a sort of a coaching skill or a competence. And you can see it in some of the Institute kind of literature that, uh, that there are competencies around having, having coaching presence. And um, because of this relational aspect, it, it kind of felt pretty one-sided that. So, um, you know, the, the research I did looked at interviewing clients uh, and coaches. So I looked at, at, um, at both sides and, and tried to see if, this concept was actually different for, for, for clients? Were they expressing it, articulating, conceptualizing it differently? Uh, and eventually I, ca I came up with a, an integrated um, concept that, that applied to both coach and, and client. But the metaphors were, were quite similar across the board. So for example, uh, one client talked about a feeling of presence um, that, that she had with a, a coach, which was similar to diving underwater uh, and swimming swimming fast and if you if you're focused on your swimming and, and swimming fast then you kind of miss the scenery if you like uh, and if you really slow down and glide over the coral if you like you can suddenly see this whole world of of multi-dimensional kind of space and things that you would never see if you were just skimming over the surface so uh, there was a metaphor of that nature. There was another one that was quite nice. You were talking about this idea of connection as well, and 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 somebody talked about it being like a connection between two telegraph poles, um, and uh, the the client and coach being telegraph poles and the telegraph line between them, and and that connection on a on a human level is kind of always there, um, but very often it feels like we're in fog. So we can just about see each other, but we we lose that sense of that line between us. And uh, and they they are they sort of saw presence as being a, a, a means of almost in, instantaneously clearing the fog and clearing the clouds, so that you've got this this pristine view um, and real strong sense of connection between between two people. So many many different different um, views. And uh, and again, what I, what I what I looked at there was that there was some commonality but the metaphorical variation was really quite wide um you know it, it everybody sort of expresses these things in different ways uh, and yet there are some some fairly um um consensual um basics around what presence is and, and on what presence isn't um and i think i'd probably close this this little bit by saying you know it was as important to understand what presence wasn't to, to people as, as, as what it was. Um, and, and people were very clear, especially clients. It was really humbling to, to hear as, as a coach, actually, that they know when coaches aren't present 
with them and, and to them. You know, it, they, they get the feeling, that, you know, so if you're a coach and you're listening to this and you're thinking about what you're about to have for tea in the middle of a coaching session, you know, the chances are it might it might not be be surfaced, but, but they know that you're thinking about something else. So there's almost a sense of there's a real responsibility, I think, for coaches as well to 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 attend to their presence with clients because it affects that relationship so, so, so highly. It's like there's a there's a discipline involved in this that's connected to mindfulness and that ability to be able to focus on this space or you know the other person. Yes, yes, there is. Um, I mean, there's a discipline, and I would certainly call it that, that there's kind of a practice of presence that, that I think can be helpful, and um, and I, th- I think practicing it both both as a as a sort of a, a way of life is 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 one thing, which is connected to, to, to mindfulness. Um, uh, but but there is also something very instantaneous, I think, David. You know, I don't think that you need to sort of do 10 hours of meditation a day to have presence <laughs> with your client in the coaching room. You know? um, I, I think that, that having just jet creating a little bit of a muscle or a reflexive process that allows you to self-monitor in the coaching room is, is a really great way to, to bring yourself back to presence. So, again, just acknowledging that I'm thinking about something else um, and the, that I've moved out of where I wanted to be instantaneously can bring you back to where you want to be. It, you know, it, it needs nothing yes. more than that. Uh, and, and that, of course, is a, is a form of mindfulness um, uh, as well. But, but certainly I think the discipline is – is to, I guess, for me anyway, um, is to not be lazy really with it. I mean, I think that coaching for me over the oh, since I've done this research is is almost more, um, in some ways, more effortful and more strenuous because of the uh, a desire that I've got to, to 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 be present as much as I can, and and I still do feel that's an effortful process. But also because of this flow aspect that you've talked about, that there's also a sense that you can be in that kind of uh, um, uh, mindset or attitude, and um, and you you're completely effortless as well. Um, so I'm definitely in that effortful and effortless kind of um, di- dynamic at the moment. Uh, f- fascinating, really fascinating. Yeah, and I. Yeah, I, we'll move on. I talk about this all yes. day. <laughs> um, so just before we get to the C-squared model of presence, what were the main findings of the study? Um, the, the main findings um, were, um, well, certainly two of the main findings, I think, is, is that um, there was a client aspect to this. And, and I think there was a bit of a gap in the research um, that, um, that that was filled there is, is that clients have a sense of presence um, and the, the, there is this relational aspect. So, so there's an acknowledgement that, that, um, that the client voice is, is, is there and, and, um, and the research um, explain that. Um, so I think there's, there's something around, um, uh, around that. And then, uh, the other sort of key one is that there are some outcomes that seem to be fairly generic um, uh, as a consequence of being a presence. So there is a connection. Um, and because I did a qualitative piece of inquiry, that sort of the generalizations are somewhat difficult, but certainly from the people that I spoke to, 
there's a connection between being present with their clients and their clients being present with them and the effectiveness of coaching. Um, uh, that, that's somewhat subjective, subjective of course, uh, in, in their eyes, uh, but connection to um, helping clients be in their best space and um, best supported to be able to uh, look at whatever they're looking at um, uh, is something that that, that presence um, enhances. Um, so, so a connection to the effectiveness, I, th- I think, is there. I wouldn't say that I've proved anything uh, in, in any sense at all, but there seems to be a connection between effective coaching um, and being present with, with, with your client. So those are, those are sort of, a, I, th- I think, two sort of key areas uh, perhaps another one is that there is just an acknowledgement really uh, as a finding that there is a, a dynamic aspect to, to presence so I think in, in one of the little um, very very poorly amateur videos that I put together to try and explain this I talk about um, uh, there's kind of a coaching dance uh, between the, the, the coach and the client um, and in that dance we're moving each party is moving in and out of presence um, the whole time and they're affecting each other's presence as a consequence of that so there's this kind of very dynamic thing that is happening um, so so um, you know, to be idealistic, to to, to think that we're going we're going to be in perfect presence with each other is perhaps somewhat unrealistic. Um, and to be to be comfortable to, to the, with the fact that we're continually moving um, sort of inwards and outwards towards and away from presence, but we can be choiceful about that if you have this kind of awareness that we've we, we've spoken about. So if you can if you can pick up on the fact that you're, you're you're moving away or your client is moving away from presence, then you've got an opportunity to to do something very simply and practically to to to, to move back towards it. It's it's interesting because as as we're talking, I'm I'm becoming more aware of what's going on between us and what's going on inside me. And what I'm noticing are these kind of peaks and troughs of presence of me getting involved in what you're saying and, and being present in what you're saying, really just absorbing it. And then that sparking thoughts and me moving back to those thoughts and then moving back in. So there's there's kind of a cyclical nature to this that I'm, I'm assuming is going on on both sides, kind of a reciprocal nature. Yeah, and it's, it's a nice, nice description. I mean, that's certainly what I'm feeling in, in the conversation as well. And, um, and, and there's, there's, there's also different aspects that, that come up, obviously, in the, in the nature of dialogue. And, you know, you, you'll be present in a slightly different way when you're listening, for example, than perhaps when you, when you, when you're talking. And, um, uh, but presence kind of covers it all. It, it, we don't need to sort of discriminate one from the other. You know, if while you're you're talking to me, you're you're bringing in a, a thought, you might also be be having a bodily experience. You might suddenly get a tightness in your tummy, but you you to, to have an awareness of that and to know that it's part of the overall kind of. Uh, integrated conversation you know presence kind of covers the the the, the whole um boundary of that i think so um yeah um de- definitely that there are some dynamics um definitely that there are some outcomes uh, and then also i think that going going back to to what we can do you know th- this idea of discipline that you mentioned uh, there are also some conditions for for presence as well so 
Yeah, yeah, we're on a on a Zoom call. Uh, I I I feel present to you. I feel that we already have a, a connection. That that was possibly helped, David, because we had a five minute chat beforehand, and I got a sense of who you were. You got it. You know, we we felt comfortable with each other, if you like. So, a five minute chat beforehand probably has helped enhance my sense of presence in in this conversation. Um, the fact that I I just took um, um, a minute or so to to be uh, ready for this conversation probably helped the the my, my way of being coming into the conversation. So, you know, as, as coaches, I think there's a lot of small things that that we can do um, to to um, have the conditions right, uh, both environmentally and and inside um, ourselves. So, for example, uh, being in a noisy cat Cafe, for example, is maybe not the most conducive thing to, to, to having strong presence. Not, not, not that it's impossible. I've had many good cafe conversations with, with clients, but but it, it, it could be uh, it could be a problem. Um, likewise, uh, um, a research partner said that, that they kind of mentally go through a process uh, in their first two minutes with a client where they just attend to themselves. They um, they make sure they get some kind of eye contact. Might not be a lot initially, but some eye contact. They really feel their feet on the floor. Um, as this person has said, they, they feel their bum in their chair. You know, they're really properly. Um, sat and comfortable and um, and and relatively upright, um, and and they just have it. They, they have a little scan of awareness of what else they can notice in the room. You know, can they hear vo- voices? Um, what what's the temperature like? And they do a little bit of a mini body scan. How do I feel? Um, you know, where have I got any aches and pains anywhere? But all of that process can happen literally in. 10 seconds um, and you're basically sensitizing yourselves to yourself, the other person, your environment, and it just allows presence to arrive really. So, so that's kind of some practical things that you could do just to generate the conditions for, for presence and, and, and flow. If you conceptualize mm. presence more in terms of, of flow. That's, that's really useful and interesting. Thanks, Roger. So, so w- what does C squared stand for? Can you just give us an overview of the model and and the components? And it's quite a complex model. Um, and I'm hoping, with your your permission, we can put a copy of it on the um, on the, the the notes page of the uh, um, of the podcast, if that's okay. So. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and yes, so so C, C squared or C2, and I, I really don't mind about the name. I, I originally thought of it as C squared. And then uh, in some of the um, the, the, the sort of um, uh, the, the t- typographical um, things that happen when you publish things, it became C2. It, it's all fine. But it really um, emphasizes the, the coach and client side. So so it's, it's a coach and client model of, of presence uh, and very much trying to, to, to move away from the idea that, that we're just talking about coaching presence. And, and that's a little bit of a nod to some of the practitioner literature that I've seen that, that describes this as purely as a, as a coaching skill or competence. I mean, there are aspects of that, of course, but I, I sort of, I really wanted to bring that relational element out. So, mm. so yeah, it stands for coaching client. Um, 
do you want me to talk a little bit more about about the model, David? The model, yes, please. Yes, that'd be excellent. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so I've, I've kind of alluded to to, to, to bits and pieces as, as we've talked, but but the way that I conceptualised it, and, and I have a, um, a a circular diagram in in my head, and and if you if you see a picture of this, then then obviously mm. it comes alive a little bit. Um, but it really, really has a, a few elements to it. So the first element is that there are two modes involved. Uh, one is about being, being, having heightened awareness, so being more aware of yourself, your client, the environment, and, and definitely what's going on somatically uh, with you. It's, it's not just sort of a, a, a mind thing. It's a mind-body experience. Um, so, so being more aware is mode one. Mode two is is around being more absorbed, but being present in your absorption, if if I could say that. So that's definitely the the idea of flow. So uh, if I'm really thinking about a memory that I've had as a client, and 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 you're coaching me, David, then being lost in describing what was going on, what the issues were to me, I, I might completely lose a sense that you're even in the room. So I'm not really. Yeah present to you as a person but i'm present to the experience that i'm having and by being very present to it then i'm i'm getting the richness out of it that, that i want and i can hopefully see the insights that i need to so so two modes first of all I'm more aware and more absorbed um, uh, and then uh, on top of that then an idea of three dimensions uh, and there's an internal dimension so what's going on inside us um, uh, a relational aspect that we've talked about already. So, what's that connection between me and you? You know, and I guess there's a um, there's a, an argument that says that human beings exist in relation to each other, and our identity is completely wrapped up with 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 our relation to each other. So, it's that relational aspect. Um, and then there's the external perception as the third dimension, which is that that you're you're giving off something to me, I'm giving off something to you. I can perceive in some way, I might not know how I do it, but I can perceive in some way um, uh, how present you are and whether whether you are present to me. So, that, so there's something external. So internal, external and relational are, are the dimensions. Um, and then planted over uh, around that then is this sense of dynamism. So in the conversation, and, and remember my research was all about the coaching conversations. So, you know, what happens in, in conversations. Uh, and there's this continuous uh, movement. And, and you, you um, describe the idea of a kind of peaks and troughs. Um, but we're continuously, both of us, moving in, in and out of presence. So uh, a sense that, that, that I know when I have a lack of presence or I know when you do. To, to some degree, um, I can feel potentially a sense of moving towards or away from presence, uh, and I also know when I'm I'm, I'm in pre in present in presence. Uh, although, having said that, if if I'm in this more absorbed mode, I might only have been aware that I've been in presence when I come out. So, so it's not necessarily a cognitive experience um, at the time. Um, so the, the main model that was reported and that, that came out of the research findings was, was, was basically that. So two modes, uh, three dimensions exist. Uh, and, and I kind of um, went into a bit of detail around that. Uh, and there was a sense of dynamics. Um, and then the rest of the model then is, is about antecedents and, and, and outcomes. So, so what are the conditions that, that allow you to move towards presence? 
um, and what are the outcomes in the coaching conversation from presence. Um, and just as an example, the kind of condition, conditions that, that we talked about, the research partners came up with were um, those um, that we, we've mentioned already, which is in the coaching room. So what do you do um, to take responsibility for yourself as a coach if you're if you're moving out of presence and, and how do you come back to that? Uh, having the environmental conditions of uh, of of the coaching environment itself. Um, and, and I did look at, at, at different types of coaching. So so I was I suppose I had a presumption when I first went into this because it was obviously pre pre Zoom days uh, that I, we I, <laughs> focusing mainly on face on face-to-face coaching and I had a natural um, all of my coaching was face-to-face at the time I had a natural assumption that the presence was about face-to-face and um, I, I was very quickly disabused of that when I when I got into conversations with research partners many of whom only telephone coached um, and and um, uh, and also did a mix I think everybody pretty much had some kind of a mix of video or, or face-to-face um, and they were convinced that, that presence wasn't really determined too much by um, by the the, the mode. Um, so so you could be present with people on telephone uh, on a video conference or face to face. The nature and the quality might be a little bit different, um, but nonetheless, this this human being connection, this relational connection, this attendance to your internal space it's irrespective of uh, uh, of the mode and, and also being aware of somebody else's presence you can pick that up on the telephone is what what my research partners uh, reported to me um so so conditions about in the room and then um, other conditions around perhaps more of a life practice and um you know i think it was very clear that the the presence came across um as as a way of being to some degree so what i mean by that is is you can't very well be be present um, and, and be interested in presence in the coaching room and then not interested in anything with anybody else you talk about in the rest of your life. You know, it, there's something about your, your way of being that that, uh, that transcends just, just coaching. So um, certainly it's been my experience that when you, you attend to presence, um, um, it, it, it takes over your life to some degree. You know, I, I recognize it in this conversation, David, right now. I recognize it when I talk to my kids. I recognize it when I'm trying to concentrate on a, on a, on a piece of work, which isn't to do with talking to people. Um, so, so because of that, the, these, the kind of the, a wider practice, I think, is, is really helpful. Um, so, you know, th- that's why I think there is quite a strong link to, to mindfulness practices. Certainly uh, in my practice of Tai Chi, there's, there's a tremendous connection with presence and and it's almost like one hand is is washing the other tai chi i think for me helps uh, my my sense of groundedness balance and and being present with people and myself and likewise practicing presence in the coaching room uh, helps my ability to to practice tai chi so it's it's kind of a, a reciprocal kind of thing um, so yeah, I think I've, I've talked a little bit about uh, about the model, and you know maybe finally just to, to, to talk about the the, the outcomes. Um, and um, you know the, the outcomes are, are more effective coaching. Um, I, I think this to, to zone in on one of them. Uh, I, I think this idea of um, you know what the research partners reported pretty much across the board was this idea of insight. You know these these kind of aha moments and these moments that move coaching conversations on um, seem to, in their experience anyway, uh, happen more 
when you have a kind of a greater sense of of, of presence and 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 when that relational presence is 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 strong uh, and if one of the things we're trying to do is is to um, is co-create with our clients and and generate some some sense of um, something completely new then um, I think the, the, the that sense of presence um, adds to that. Um, the final thing I'd say about outcomes again is that it's not just about about coaching and 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 many people again report that there's a the connection with well-being. So you know, being present with somebody uh, after the event just feels really good. You know, you feel good about yourself. You you feel as though you've had a really fantastic human connection with with somebody, uh, and people take that. Clients especially report that they take that out of the coaching room with them. So it's not just about solving their issues or looking at their concerns in the coaching room, just going away with that kind of feeling that 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 was a great conversation and there was a real nice connection there. And and I just feel good about myself. You know, that in itself, I think, is is something that is a quality of uh, effectiveness. Yes, definitely. And and I do think that affects people's uh, well-being and also just sense of connection as well. And I, th- I think that's important. Um, what, what, uh, I, I was uh, just about to ask how, how people can use the model. But before I do, I just wonder whether there's a, there's a place in here for helping coaches help the client develop a sense of presence themselves. I don't know what, what your thoughts are about that. Yes, uh, absolutely, and and I, I sort of wrote about this in in the uh, in in the um, the dissertation uh, as well, and and, and definitely, and, and I think this is also one of the outcomes is is I think that that bringing presence practice presence awareness uh, into the coaching room itself I think is a, is a super way to go, and, and I've experimented with that myself. Um, Definitely, it's not always appropriate, you know, as with anything with coaching, sometimes you just kind of do what it is that you're doing and you, you don't need to kind of unpack it. Um, but you can do it gently and you can and you can just sort of um, do, do it um, as you feel it's appropriate. So gently, uh, I would say that you can, as we do already, just getting clients to focus on specifics about themselves. You know, what are you feeling right now? Um, you know, I just noticed you, 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 you smile, David, what was going through your head as we were talking, you know, just, just to focus on something that is, mm. is taking you away from, you know, you might be talking about an issue. Now let's not get too wrapped up in just unpacking that issue because there's a very much a subject object relationship going on. We take the issue, we put it on the table and, and we, we analyze it like, like scientists and, you know, bringing that relational thing in and, and, and allowing clients to access more of themselves to, to, because maybe that issue just dissolves sometimes, you know, you have an aha moment, you have a recognition of something and what you thought was a problem was actually never a problem. It was just our minds that, created it so by focusing on on attending to, to what else is going on intuitively somatically um you, you can naturally help bring your your clients into presence um i think another th- another point uh, that comes to my mind just as I'm, I'm talking about this is that there's also that kind of role modeling or mimetic effect as well is that by practicing presence I think there's something that your clients naturally pick up on and, and they move into a similar kind of space. 
Uh, and we know that very simply, you know, if, if you were talking, if you're a bit het up and you're talking to someone that's got a lovely calm voice and demeanor, it just na- naturally calms you down. And, and there's, there's some, again, this relational thing feels so, so powerful to me that uh, if, if I am in the presence of someone who is present um, um, and outside the coaching room, you know, my Tai Chi experiences bring this, you know, when you, when you, you uh, work with somebody that is, is somewhat more experienced than, than you, they have an energy um and and it and it they, they give it off if you like and and you can um you can work with it and and it, and it can affect you i think so so there's a role modeling aspect um to it and, and then i think there is an, an ability to be more expressive and and talk about the concept of presence you know what, what does it mean to your clients um and that's actually what, what i did in the research i just sat down with clients and started with a question of what what does presence mean to you um and then started to unpack it from, from there and and by the end of some you know some of the client interviews that that i did were were fascinating and some of the most interesting because they started without really having any pre-thought of what it is that they conceptualize this presence um, because no one had asked them. Um, yes. and, and by the end of it, they had a pretty clear idea of, of, of what it meant to them. And, and certainly they had a clear idea of what, what, how they perceived it in their, in their coaches. So, so talking about this, I think it just helps to sensitize um, people to uh, what's going on. And it gives you a groundwork for later coaching work because you can say in, in the middle of a later session, how present are you right now or how present were you over the last 15 minutes? And also you can invite them to say, yeah, I just recognize you weren't very present with me and we can talk about that. And maybe that has a, uh, an implication to them in, in their, in their um, roles outside the coaching room as well. So, so yeah, it's definitely a resource that can be looked at uh, explicitly with, uh, with, with coaching clients. Yeah. And, and, and I think, in a, I think it'd be very useful for quite a lot of clients, particularly when as they kind of transition back out of the the, the coaching space into back into work. Um, so let me ask that question then that I was going to ask. Um, so how can people actually use the model? Yeah, and, and a, a number of ways. And and I think the first thing that I, I would say um, about where where I've got to is is that it's not all encompassing. You know, I've I've have done a, a qualitative inquiry. I've talked to to six coaches and six clients, um, and and I used a methodology for those people that, that are interested in it called conceptual encounter, which I, I really again grew to, to to really love as a really superb way of, of looking at this um, but the way that conceptual encounter works is it does look at creating a model um, but it, but it's 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 the start of a map of the terrain I would say you know it's not the full it's not the full map um, so I think that I, I've sort of made a contribution if you like and it's for others to continue to to, to color in the pieces if you like um, but in terms of how to to, to use it, um, I think one of the my original intents was just to create a richer language uh, and a, just a richer lexicon and, and a conceptualization that was more that was perhaps better formed than, than, than I'd seen already. So just being aware and raising that awareness of what presence is and, and what it involves, um, I think, is is something that that is helpful in itself. So, for example just focusing on the fact that clients have presence, you know, please coaches, 
you know, do that because that immediately changes. Certainly, it did with me. It immediately changes the way that you coach um, because it's not it's not all about a skill that you were trying to acquire. It's a, it's a relational element that you were trying to to cultivate or grow in the uh, in the in the coaching room. Uh, I think another aspect of the model um, is that um, we reported quite a bit about uh, the, about attitude towards towards people and the connection to sort of client-centered practices that Carl Rogers and others have, have, have advocated. So um, again, this idea that, that um, coaching, as we all know, it's not just about process tool and tools, but but your attitude as a coach is so important. And, and again, this is about what, what you give off. So so practicing things like compassion um, and, 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 and practicing um, non-judgmental sort of um, unconditional self-regard, these kind of things, you know, there's, it's all in the literature, it's all in our, in our training courses, but it, it really wraps into a, a direct connection with how present we are. So, so having a responsibility to, to, to be aware of the attitude that you have in the moment in the coaching room with, with your clients, I think there's a, there's a sensitization there. Um, and then, as we've said already, I think that to, to use the model to, to, um, to bring presence more explicitly into the coaching room and to, to focus on, on being able to um, support your client's presence, um, I think is, a, is, is just a super extra dimension of, of, of coaching. Um, and, and it allows you to, to maybe take the foot off the gas with, with the solution-based kind of tendencies that certainly I have and, and many of us has of coaching. You know, we don't have to just go in and, and, and solve things for, for the client we can just we can just talk about um, their their way of being, how they show up, and and have them sort of be sensitive to their own presence, uh, and to the power of that. You know, there's the, if if a lot of, of of working with presence is about accessing internal resources, you know, helping people be at their best, um, we can do that for ourselves as well. You know, we don't we don't we don't necessarily need the help. So so bringing that to the awareness of the client, I think there's there's a responsibility um, for that. And then um, I guess in, in what I would see as a slightly kind of guessed out way, um, using your sense of presence explicitly as, as material in the coaching room, um, giving more of a sense of your internal world to your client, I think is, is, is one of the real learnings uh, for me. So again, I, the great thing about being a practitioner is that as you learn this stuff, um, you can go away and experiment straight away. And uh, I'm, I'm much more, much more comfortable as a coach now just in the middle of a conversation saying you know David as you talk to me I'm, I'm getting a real tension in in my stomach around this or or I'm getting a headache or uh, mm. I'm starting to feel a little bit bored um, now clearly you, you've got to have a, uh, a setup <laughs> that, that, that allows you the, the, the sense of sort of non-defensiveness about that but that kind of material is just um, it is so amazing from an insight perspective to be able to connect something that is going on bodily and not just assuming it's because you're hungry but it might be because something it's something the client said and this interconnected this relational presence is is creating um, something between you. 
uh, and and bringing that to, to to the coaching table. I mean, uh, um, the the number of times I've uh, people have said to me, you know, um, I mean, many times they just say, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about there, Rog. It means nothing to me, uh, which is fine. Um, uh, but but other times it's like, well, it's funny you should say that. But I had this conversation two days ago, and this person said X, Y, Z. So it it clicks off a, a train of thought that is completely creative. It's it's in that non-logical kind of area, and so I, th- I think using practicing using your yourself as as a tool in the culture, and there's some big connections to presence there as well. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I think one of the big things it it well, firstly. The, the model itself I find really useful for just thinking about the concept of, of of presence and my place of that in that within a relationship, but also having some form of focus on the presence within the coaching relationships kind of moves people away quite usefully, I think. And, and I, th- I think this is a tendency largely of less experienced coaches of just doing the numbers this is the question I meant to ask now, and this is the question that, that and they're thinking about. So whilst the person's responding, they're not present. They're thinking about their next question, um, and then the next question, the next question. And I, 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 I think a focus on this actually moves people back into the the, the space, and I think that's really useful. Really useful. Yeah, it's, it's a it's, it's a, a a lovely insight, and certainly when I I look back on my kind of journey as a coach. Um, the, the the thinking about the process to me was one of the biggest things I would say looking back on it that that took me away from presence um, mm. and not just about the the it's almost like a worry about what's next and and other sort of thought processes come up because you can think about well maybe we've been talking about this part of the process um, you know stage two um, maybe we've looked at the R of grow and now it's time to move on to the O and I've got to try and hurry this person up a little bit so that I can get into that. And there's enough time. So as soon as that that kind of that type of thinking is there, you you, you really can't be in presence. Um, so so there is something you know maybe a, a comment to sort of more inexperienced coaches um, is just to say that 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 this set, this really allows you to relax. I think you can just relax into the relationship and. And there is a trust and a, and a self-confidence aspect that is needed, I think. But to to be comfortable that that what comes up when you're present to each other is almost the perfect thing that's going to come up for for, for the client. So you, you can do less um, to to effectively achieve more with with, with clients. And um, uh, you know, I, I think there's something else about. Um, about tools and processes that that can actually harmonize with presence quite nicely and 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 um and that is just the idea of embodiment um i would say so uh, i would say that when people have embodied i mean it's a bit like driving a car you know you don't know you're driving it and uh, you know you've got that unconscious competence that allows you to be present um whilst driving a car um, whereas when you're thinking about what gear to move and you know, what when to look in your mirrors, you, you, you're still driving, you're having an experience, but you're not necessarily having a, a present experience because you're, you're spending so much time in your, in your intellect. Uh, so I think there's something really, um, really similar in coaching where if you can just 
if the tools and the processes that you use and they're important to you are embodied to you. In other words, you just bring them out unconsciously. You know, you don't have to think what next. Um, then that creates so much more bandwidth to be present within. Uh, and that bandwidth can obviously be taken up with um, being being on your client's agenda, which is is obviously what they want. Yes, I think so. And I actually think, so I, I teach the um, some of the lecturers that teach at the university, and, and I actually think this has got great utility in that space as well for people learning to teach facilitation because they, they really are about presence in this space rather than just a, a I suppose a focus on how I'm feeling because I'm nervous or whatever it happens to be or just sprouting spouting stuff out to people and um yes. so I, I, yeah. I, th I think there's a there's a kind of wider application of this so yeah. um kind of as as we come towards the end of this what advice would you give coaches who want to develop or increase pe um, presence in their coaching um, relationships um, so the first thing I would I would say is just from this research at least you know just just be aware of the terrain um, and and what what does it involve uh, and, and when when I think about advice I suppose I, I jump to um, focusing on the relational aspect of presence um, and, um, you know, seeing yourself not, not as separate to your client, but the, there is this, this connection. Um, and to just start um, to practice noticing in the room, um, and even if you managed that for one second of, 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 of a, a one hour meeting, that, that's good enough. But just whilst you're, you're um, uh, in dialogue, just going inside yourself and say, what's going on in my body right now? Um, at the same time, as you described earlier, with this kind of two, two views of a, of a client, whilst you're listening, listen, listening actively, of, of, of course. So, so uh, and, and then I think also being attendant to the fact that, um, you know, you can do simple things that are not necessarily practicing presence, but, but help. So, for example, sitting straight in your chair um, both helps is what, what one of the interviewees said helps them be more present to themselves. Um, they have a sense of uprightness and, and awareness of themselves. Um, that possibly also has a, an effect on, on how their client perceives them. Uh, and, and your, your podcast listeners won't notice this, but if I, if I'm zoom coaching it and, and I, I appear to you like this, uh, so I, you can just see the top of my head because I've not positioned myself properly. I am present to you in a different way than when I'm fully in the picture, the lighting is reasonable and all the rest of it. Similarly, face to face, if, if I'm a person that slouches, and I am, and I end up, because I'm listening really hard, slouching halfway down my chair, um, that may not come across as particularly present to my clients. So there's awareness of how we, how, how we come across that is very simple. Um, but then I, I do think that, that uh, two things, that the short term is, is, is to practice um, just before a coaching engagement or the, the first few moments in the room to have an active little practice. Do, do this kind of body scan thing or um, do, do just be, be able to notice your breathing for five breaths before you go into the coaching room. But something that sensitizes yourself to 
being a whole body person and and not 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 simply kind of an intellect if you like um so there's something in in those kind of immediate areas and then if you are really interested uh in 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 that long term view then i think the the attitudinal cultivation you know uh, compassion um love for humanity if you like i mean that, that is just massive to me and um certainly for me on a personal level that's a journey you know i i find it pretty challenging to be feel compassionate to some people um rather than others but what why is that that's all about me it's it's um, so so practicing um um the, the the qualities of attitude that you want to bring into into the coach room i think is important um, and then I do think that that you probably can't get away in the long term to to getting interested in some kind of practice that allows you to to be um, aware of your your mind body experience as a human being. So whether you meditate, whether you have mindfulness practices, whether you do yoga, um, you know, whether you just have have uh, calm um, times just before you go to bed, whatever it is. There's something about a continuous lifelong practice that I think um, gets into our, um, our our bodies and um, and and help helps our balance uh, in life, really, David. So um, a bit of a short, medium, and long term view for that, maybe. Yeah, that's that. No, no, that's that. That's really, really useful, and um, and and I, I I think that the 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 good thing about this is you can actually practice it outside of the coach coaching environment because you can do it with relationships all over the place telephone calls zoom calls um relationships within the house you can practice and build i suppose those those presence muscles as it were i think that's, that's no, absolutely and i think a final point on on that as well is that you know there is it doesn't have to be the 50 hours of practice as, as i said i mean i do think there are many experiences that coaches just by being aware of their level of presence at that moment can instantaneously bring them bring them into presence so um, you know, I, I think that um, ju- just noticing, doing some kind of reflexive practice after the after the coaching session about you know how, how present were you, how present was the coach, what might you do more of, what might you do less of, um, and a lot of the, the 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 less of is just to relax relax more, you know, um, and to, to to maybe do less intellectually with your client can can help there. So. Yeah, I, th- I think there's some, something for everybody uh, in, in this, and you can come at it from whatever angle interests you, really. Yeah, excellent. Thank you so much for this, Roger. Um, I'll, I'll put links to the paper, your model. We'll put a copy of the model. Um, and also links, to, you've got quite a, a really useful video that you've published on YouTube about the, the, the model in the podcast notes. But um, if people want to, how can they contact you? Yeah, I mean, I'm really happy that if you want to post my, my email address, then that, that's fine. Um, just just verbally, it's roger.noon at changesupport.co.uk. Yeah. Um, but another really, really easy way is LinkedIn as well. So I'm on LinkedIn yeah. um, and, um, you know, I, I have a number of conversations around this kind of subject already and, and very happy to have more. Excellent. Yes, we'll we'll put the link to your LinkedIn. Um, I don't want you to end up getting spammed, so uh, I think LinkedIn's the safer way. So that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Roger. I've I've really enjoyed this. It's been fascinating. Um, and uh, yeah, just thank you. 
Pleasure. And thank you very much, David. It's an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-review.com. And please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. (laughs) 